to walk through the Bible, I'm going to be focusing on key events and highlighting God's redemption plan throughout the Bible and showing His faithful, His faithfulness and His loving character. So. Yes. colors and shapes. One day, God thought, let me create man in my, in my image. So, he out of the dust, um, stirling up this human from the ground, he created man, breathing the breath of life into his nostrils. His name was Adam. Uh, <laughs> so, God, Adam was able to have the opportunity to walk with God in this beautiful garden called Eden that he created. And it's so hard to picture that he had was able to walk with God, and God would bring him animals, and he was able to name all the animals and be like, that's a pig, that's a cow, that's a butterfly. So he was able to walk with him and name Whoa. what we see today. Um, then God put Adam into a deep, deep sleep, and we see that through that he created, or he knew that it wasn't good for man to be alone. So out of Adam's, one of Adam's ribs, he created a female named Eve. So we see it for the first time that they're not afraid to be naked. And today, if we were naked together, we'd, be really, we'd have a lot of shame and guilt, and that wouldn't be good. But we see that for the first time that they're free together, running through this garden with God. We get to the fall where there was a serpent who came in, was manipulating Eve and saying that she could eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But before this, before that happened, God told Adam and Eve that they couldn't eat from the tree of good and knowledge. Uh, knowledge of good and evil. So she was convinced and was like, okay, my eyes will be open, like God doesn't want me to see something. So she goes to the tree and eats the fruit and Adam eats it with her. For the first time we see shame. We see them um, hiding and co covering themselves with clothes that are made out of fig leaves and hiding from God behind a bush. So God is looking for them and when he sees them, he knows what they've done and he says that you, you he banishes them from the beautiful garden Eden and also from the relationship with God. So we also see that their eyes were open, so they had shame, and they saw for the first time that they were naked. Um, and that is the fall. God's redemption plan that we are going to see is that He's going to be um, He's going to be making a new way for humans to be able to be in His presence once again. And hmm. so going with that, sin has entered the world. So that's where we start. We're starting over here. We're going this way. I know it's hard for you guys to see, but yeah. So. Um, we go to an event called the flood. This is when <laughs> this is when there was uh, many people started to there was a multiplication of people and God started to see people's wickedness and they were falling in the flesh and in their sin. And so God decided that he needed to wipe out the human race. So he found favor in this man named Noah. And we see God's character and nature in this by how God was disappointed with his creation and he was sad that the people were sinning. And so he knew that he had to start over. And so he told Noah that he needed to build an ark where he, and he found so much favor in Noah that he was allowing Noah's family to be on this ark 
with him. So he told Noah that he's going to build this big ark that can fit every animal, male and female, on this ark. So it had to be huge, okay? It probably took him a really long time, yeah. but again, he wasn't doing it by himself. He had God. So, um, so the, as the rain came and the flood happened, Noah was on there for 40 days and 40 nights. And on finally, he would release like a bird to go out, and finally the bird didn't come back. And so we see God's character and nature again in the end of this story that he, God promises to never flood the earth again and he reminds us, reminds us today with the rainbow. Wow. So we go to the calling of Abraham and the covenant. So God calls a man named Abraham, later known as Abraham, to follow him. He calls him, he's calling him through faith. Abraham follows the Lord. So we see God's redemption plan through Abraham. Through Abraham, God starts establishing this plan to save the world. So in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So through this covenant, this is the foundation that God will be continuing to build build to the coming king that we'll see, which is named Jesus. <laughs> so we go to the testing of Abraham. So he ends up having, so he was so faithful in the Lord and he always was listening to God. But we see that he marries his wife, Sarah, and they were waiting forever to have a kid. But with faith, they still believe that they would get that. Mm. And finally, they get a kid named Isaac. And, but God asks him to sacrifice his, his only son that he's been waiting for so badly, but he just does it in, in obedience because he's been so faithful in walking with the Lord. He knows that the Lord is going to do something so powerful. So he ends up taking his son, Isaac, to Mount Sinai. And that's where an angel appears and says, um, you don't have to sacrifice your son and go kill a ram instead. So we see that he was still... Yeah, he was just making this covenant and just showing his like God's character and nature. So God's character and nature is in, in this is that he loves creation. And as we start reading through the false gods, they had to try so hard to sacrifice things for false gods. But we see that we don't have to do that with our God. Mm-hmm. So we go to a tower, the Tower of Babel. This is when people wanted to take power into their own hand and try to build a tower where they could um, talk to God. And so God brought judgment on them. And this is when he... Uh, brings diversity in the languages and separates the people. So we go to a man named Jacob wrestling with God. Jacob and Esau are born through the multiplication of Jacob's part. Um, so in Genesis 26, 3 through 5, God starts building on his covenant that he made with Abraham in the beginning. Um, so he says, I hereby confirm that I will give all these la- the lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I, I will give them all these lands, and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements and commands, decrees and instructions. So God talked to a man named Jacob and made a covenant with him saying that he would provide offspring and bless him. Jacob ended up having 12 sons, um, and through his wives, Rachel and Leah, and uh, Rachel and Leah. So Joseph was Jacob's favorite son, and he got many visions from God that he was, people would bow down to him, and that, or that his brothers would bow down to him, and that ended up actually coming true, and we see that God is, uh, or that, 
so before that came true, he ends up, his brothers found jealousy and envied him a lot, so he ended up going, they ended up taking him and selling him to Egyptians, and we see that God redeems him, and that everything comes true. So in Exodus 1, 7, but their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. So as they multiplied, a new pharaoh came into the land that brought oppression on the people, and it was forcing them into slavery. So we see God's character and nature. God heard his people and cared for them so much that he wanted to bring them out of slavery. Mm. So. so then we go to a man named Moses. Moses, or uh, during this time when I was talking about Pharaoh, Pharaoh commanded that all the sons being born would be killed, um, would be killed but a woman from the house of Levi bore a son and hid him. So eventually she made a basket and she put Moses in this basket and sent him down and he went down this river where he was found by the daughter of Pharaoh who adopted him. Mm-hmm. So Moses was raised in a kingdom, um, but eventually after he was killed, or eventually after he killed the slave master and he fled to Medina. And this is where we see that God comes to him and talks to him through a burning bush and tells him that he's going to be... Um, bringing those people out of slavery. So the Lord replied, listen, I am making a covenant with you in the presence of all your people. I perform miraculous, or uh, yeah, mirac- uh, miracles that have never been performed anywhere in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of the Lord, the awesome power I will display for you. So Moses becomes God's spokesman and he goes to talk to Pharaoh and tell him what's going to happen. So what happens is there's 10 plagues that come and but, and like Pharaoh's heart was hardened through every play. And God does this. He hardens his heart so he can show that, like he can show that their gods are false gods that they worship. He can show that he's the true God. And, mm. which is really cool <laughs> that he does that. We also see um, at the last plague that comes, it was killing the killing of the firstborn son. If you didn't put slaughter lamb and put the blood around the door, that your son would be killed and Pharaoh didn't do that. So his son ended up uh, being killed and his heart wasn't hardened anymore. And he, he let the people go, so they went to the Red Sea, but the people were quickly right following behind them, the, the Pharaoh's people, and so God gave, let Moses split the sea so the people would go through. So we go to the time in the wilderness, which I think this is really important because we see just more of the fall coming into the people. Um, so once in the wilderness, they go to Mount Sinai, and they're there for two years. The Lord starts to establish laws that, so that they won't be sinful people and that he can start showing them how to be a holy nation instead. So in Leviticus 11.45, For I, the Lord, am the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt, that I might be your God. Therefore, you must be holy because I am holy. Mm. So God gives instructions not only with how to live a righteous lifestyle, but but also, like I said before, to be a holy nation, show other nations. Mm. So we see that the tabernacle, there's instructions given about the tabernacle in Exodus 23. And then we also see the Ten Commandments coming along at this time. You shall not, not have any other God before me. So, however, this was, um, so we see also there's a time that I think this is really important where Moses goes to talk to God and the people start sinning um, because Aaron starts showing them this God as a cow saying that this is God. He's the one that did this for us because they want this physical thing so bad because they can't just be okay with not seeing God. So they build this golden calf and Moses comes down and is like, what are you doing? So we see just through the wilderness, they kind of just go into sin. So that's why these laws are there. So God can make them in a holy nation and live a righteous life. Mm. So they were in the wilderness for 40 years. 
and God provided manna, and he pretty much was providing for everything that they were going to need and to go to the promised land, but they complained the whole time. They were not grateful for what they were getting, and they were just in slavery before this, so they weren't seeing, like, God has more. Mm-hmm. So we see uh, out of this generation, when they get to the promised land, only Joshua and Caleb were able to go, um, and, and then the second gener- generation to come could go. So we go to tribal. This is when... Moses is about to die, so we see that Joshua becomes leader, So, um, and Moses allows him to do that because God says that he can be leader. So in Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness, to witness the choices you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life, and and if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to you to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we're just seeing that the covenant, God is bringing the covenant throughout the uh, Bible. Um, so we go to the conquest of Canaan. This is when Joshua was able to go into battle so they could get, he could get land for his people. And he ends up splitting with the people that were there because those people were, were living in sin in God's eyes. And he said, don't spare the people, but they ended up leaving some people behind. So we go to the period of the judges, which is a really important time. Um, this shows the downward spiral of people falling into their sin and worshiping false gods. So we see that God um, hands the people over to slavery and the people would cry out to God and he would be delivering these judges. Each judge was worse than the last and the people started doing what was evil in, the, in their own eyes and turning from the Lord. Mm. So we see kind of like a little sweet story in this, the story of Ruth. So Ruth was the daughter-in-law of Naomi and she was so faithful. She was faithful and throughout her loyalty and showed so much loyalty to God. We also see in the story that it's redeeming Naomi because Naomi was a widow and we see that her family before this died and she was helping Ruth be with Boaz and we see that we see that the purpose of the story just shows the loyalty and God's redemption plan that he wants to redeem our lives and through other people and through like situations and circumstances so yeah and we also a little quick fact um Naomi where is it Uh, sorry um through the story of this family line comes David that I'm going to talk about and then Jesus eventually the coming Josiah well so we go to David um so we're at crown gets one to know where we're at <laughs> so yeah we first start with the reign of, uh, reign of king Saul he was the first king of Israel and he was the people's choice the people chose him but like I said in the beginning the people really this all started because the people really wanted that physical God and they wanted to look like the other nations have this God and they weren't okay with accepting that we have a way better God so it's kind of cool because God allows them to he's like let them have it like let them have it their king that they're wanting so bad because they're going to see what's going to happen and we're going to see, see the good news and the coming king that God is promising. So um, he was chosen to unite the tribes and provide protection and guidance to the nations. He led people. He was leading people, but he fell from God. So he wasn't following the Lord. So we also Then we go to David, the anointed king. He was God's choice. Um, he was chosen. Uh-huh. So he followed God. And he ended up being king after Saul died in battle. So in 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13, For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will rise up one of my descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build, build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. And 
now his promise, promise, oh, covenant, where am I at? Oh, this throne forever. So God being so faithful, he's showing again the covenant through that he's going to be bringing in the covenant king. So just a little bit of what King David was doing his reign. He built a small empire along with conquering Jerusalem and defeating the Philistines. Um, and he was a man, I kind of talked about this, but he was a man who feared God. And he loved people so well, as we see in the story with him and Jonathan. He just was a really mm. man. So we start going into kings and then early and late prophets. And this is where we see, just keep in mind, where we see that the people were just wanting that physical God. But we see also, it's kind of cool that God has this, like, allows this to happen, like, the sin that comes through this. So then when Jesus comes, he just breaks everything that they thought a king would look like. And he mm. breaks the character or what people thought God was like. So that's really cool. So we see wow. the reign of King Solomon. So Solomon asked, had the opportunity to ask God for wisdom. And he ended up building, um, building, where is it? Was it the? Temple. Yeah, thank you. I was going to say tabernacle. But I was like, no. Okay, so he ends up building the temple. And um, as that him and David ended up talking about, but this, um, but with the wisdom they had, he used it for the wrong ways. That we only see that the temple was a good thing that came out of him reigning, because he ends up marrying uh, seven hundred wives and had three hundred concubines, and he starts to adopt those women's false gods and their powers that they believed in to Israel. So we see that that's like the first time, like not the first time, because we see it back in. Aaron, they wanted that like that God, but we see that that idea is starting to be allowed in Israel and in that time. There's gonna be more false gods. So, just with the temple construction, um, so Sol Solomon finishes building the temple and dedicates it to the Lord, and this is where we see that God can dwell in the temple. We just a fun fact too. In class, our speaker was talking about how the, the when we read in the Bible, the temple description actually is showing the Garden of Eden with the decorations like the trees and the wow. birds and the exterior. So I think it's really cool. And so God's redemption plan is with the temple is he's going to bring, he's calling them back to them. But that is so hard for the people because they're going to have false gods and they're going to have God, God. And so it's going to be really hard for them to kind of see what's going on. So this leads to Rehoboam, uh, the kingdom split of Rehoboam. He was the son of Solomon. And we see that we would think that he would maybe go and follow God and turn from those false gods that his dad brought. But we actually see that he's no better. He ends up trying to increase tax or tax for slavery in the northern and talks to the northern tribes about it and they refuse and they're not okay with this idea. So they end up doing a kingdom split. So there's ten tribes of Israel and two tribes of Judah. Mm. So Judah in the, is in the south located in Jerusalem and Israel in the north located in Samaria. So Jeroboam being the king in Israel tries to establish his own place to worship. So he builds two golden calves and also he's trying to compete with Jerusalem and their God. And so, so this leads um, to Israel into disobedient over and over again and falling into the sin into the beginning of the fall. So we go to the fall. So we go to the fall of Samaria. It started with Jehu who destroys Ahab's family. God told him he could do this, but he ends up getting out of control and killing them. So each king starts to do wrong in the Lord's eyes as we start to see and just mm. see that they're just worshiping false idols and false gods or having too many wives or just not just living in sin and not how God contended marriage or contended relationships to be. Um, so because of and because the Lord is so faithful to us and the covenant that he's promised, that this leads to the exile though, and that we see in 2 Kings chapter 17. So the empire of Assyria takes out 
the northern kingdom in Judah, there was some faithful kings that were that allowed them to last longer than Israel. And so the faithful kings that we see is Hezekiah and Joshua, uh, Josiah. Josiah helped reestablish the law and the covenant with the people that the coming king, the Messiah, would come. And yeah. so then we go to the fall of Jerusalem and some of the prophets I'll be talking about. We see that this leads to the fall. During this time, God sent prophets like Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel to warn the people that the exile is going to come. So kind of what prophets were, the main points of all the prophets that are sent, even the late, the early prophets, they were to lead people out of repentance or bring justice. And they were like God's ambassador and communicator of his word and what he was saying. So the prophets prophesied on many things. They were saying that... Um, Jerusalem was going to go into exile, so Jeremiah um, gives us some hope to the people talking about a new covenant that will establish, be established. So in Jeremiah 31, 33, this is the, the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that, that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their, their minds and write it on their, their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And Isaiah also talks about a new name that will be given to the people. Isaiah 62, 6, the nations will see your vindication and all... All kings are glory. You will be called by a new name. The mouth of the Lord will be that will, will the Lord will bestow. So this is all pointing to the Messiah and the covenant that He's making during the kings. So we see two GRPs happening in this um, redemption plans. We see that God is re, trying to redeem His people and purify them slowly and get them away from their sin. We also see that um, in Daniel two forty four, He's talking about the coming King that's going to be better than all these kings and mm. bring them out of exile and bring them out of the fall and. So in Daniel 2, 44, it says, In the time of those kings, the God of the heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. So he's talking about the coming news, the good king. Wow. So we go to Cyrus conquering Babylon. This is the last thing in King's Week. But Cyrus was the Persian king known as Cyrus the Great. Um, so a civil war broke out, and when the king Ashurbanipal died, <laughs> what a name! <laughs> I don't know if you can say it better. But when he died, this caused the empire to weaken, and people were joining in on the fall. Uh, so kings were not as capable then. The king generation went downhill. We also see why, why this was happening. The Persians were growing stronger under the leadership of Cyrus. So Cyrus conquered Babylon by using their weaknesses to dig a channel, channel around Babylon, making it easier to cross and conquer the city. So we go, I think this week is so important, we go to the post, how do you say it, exilic and intertestamental. Okay, so we see the first return of Zebabel, Zebabel, <laughs> that guy. Zerbabel. So, <laughs> so he, came, <laughs> he came to teach the law, and then we see again that there's another temple rebuilding, and this, the last temple we saw was during Solomon's reign, and we see that some people were joyful about the temple and some were sad in Ezra 3, 11 through 3. So we see the second return of Ezra. So he came to study and to teach the law in Israel. And then the third return of Nehemiah. So he came to rebuild the walls in the city. So just kind of what this period was, this was a period that lasted for 400 years. It was more of the silent time where God wasn't really speaking, but this is where the Bible was being used more. And... So they weren't really hearing God. And also the Maccabean revolt was during this time. 
and a Jewish priest refused to worship Greek gods and this started a resistant movement. So we go to Pompey conquering Jerusalem. This ended the Jewish independence and the incorporation of Judea. Um, and then we go to the foreign power, which is the Roman um, Empire. So this was happening when Pompey conquered Syria and he took Jerusalem by force. So th that goes until the end of the Bible as we kind of see that it's just the green line. That's, yeah. <laughs> okay. So finally, we get to the promise that God has been saying in the beginning that he would have come. And we just see all the destruction through these kings. And then when we see King Jesus, we see that he is nothing like those kings. Wow. And they wanted this physical God, and God is redeeming with a really great, great, great God. Like an actual God that can do way better and do the impossible. So the birth of Jesus started when there was a young girl named Mary, an angel who was a virgin, an angel came and told her that she was going to be carrying the, the son of man. Wow. And at that time, she was getting married to, I think, Joseph. And Joseph, um, when she came back, she was pregnant. And Joseph was like, whoa, did you were you with another man? Like, he didn't believe what like, she was saying. And back then, that you would be stoned if you were with another man. So an angel came and told him what was happening. And then they ended up traveling to Bethlehem, where they had Jesus. And they were trying to find a place to have him, but nobody was, like, letting them in. And it was, like, I think it was late. We don't know the time <laughs> exactly when he was born. But um, Jesus was born in um, a barn, and then the three wise men came. So then we see the ministry of Jesus. There's so much I could talk, and I wish I could spend hours and months and years on talking about his ministry. But just who Jesus was, he grew up as a carpenter, and he grew up knowing and loving God. We read so many stories of him, and his family's kind of coming to find him, and they find him just in a church with God, and just be like, why are you finding him? I want to be with my father. So we see that he just loves his father so much, and just imagine being the mom of seeing your child being so perfect, and you can't, like, he's playing with his brothers, and you can't, like, get mad at him because he's just living this perfect life. So we kind of, as we like learn about Jesus' life, we see the character and nature. So God sends Jesus because he loves, Jesus loves people so much in what he does, but that's how God loves us too. So Jesus' ministry consists of miraculous wonders and miracles. So he does healing, he's rebuking the devil, he's uh, feeding the 5,000, he's pretty much doing the impossible, like what, like what's in your head, like you wouldn't be able to comprehend what he's doing. So, so and also he came to bring redemption to all the, the earth, and he was the promise that the Lord made with David and all the other um, people. And the, the, he was prophesied by the prophet. So um, he was the king that would save the people and bring peace. The Jews had been waiting for this promise forever. And so just two quick stories that I just love about Jesus. And there's so many I could tell, but I'll make these short. So he healed a blind man just by being able to spit in the dirt and rubbing it around and rubbing the, on this guy's eyes. And the guy just had to wash him off and he could see. And he probably hasn't been able to see the whole time. And he comes to him and just heals him just like that. He didn't have to pray. Like, we would have to pray for hours for healing. He just could do it. We also see another story that I talked about of him feeding the 5,000. Um, and he's just able to produce food. Like, just be like, oh, you have food. You have food. Like, that, we couldn't do that. And well, none of the other kings that we saw, they couldn't do that either. So... At this time, Jesus was just out preaching and healing, or not pre or preaching, what, like how we should live and follow God. He's giving us that connection to God, and so we lead to Jesus' death and resurrection. 
Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified. He told his 12 apostles what was going to happen. He told Peter that he's going to be denying Jesus three times. He told Judas that he would betray him. And all these things ended up being true. And so he ended up going to some high priest where he was mocked. And they were accusing him of doing all these things that he didn't do. And Peter ends up denying him three times, just like he said. Then he goes to the uh, Roman governor. And Jesus then compared to this man who just committed murder and Jesus has done nothing. And people still want to pick him and crucify him. So we go to Jesus being crucified and before, like, his preparation for that is torture and being mocked and just really terrible stuff that hurts my heart a lot. Um, he's taken up to this place called Golgotha. Golgotha, thank you, which means place of school. So that's where he carries his cross. And when he's on his cross, when he's nailed to the cross, he's asking God, why did you forsake me? And we see when he takes his last breath that everybody's eyes are open and they actually see the true king that was promised so many years ago and from the beginning. And he's finally here. And we see God's character and nature that God sent his one and only son to die for us so he would forgive our sins and he could redeem us from that. We also see that he, God left us with the Holy Spirit. So, so good. Um, we actually, Jesus told people that he would come back, or he told his disciples that he was coming back and they didn't believe him. And when Mary came to the tomb, she saw that he wasn't there and his, his clothes were folded. And if you're Jewish and you fold your napkin at the dinner table, it means you're coming back. So he folded his clothes and it meant he was coming back. Wow. So he ends up, um, everybody, like, Mary's like telling him he's back, he's back, and they don't believe him. So he ends up coming into the room, rebuking the his twelve apostles, or his, yeah, his twelve apostles, and saying, "I'm back. Like you need to go tell the nations of the good news." So he flies away to heaven, and he's sitting next to God, and yeah, it's so good. So we go where he left the Holy Spirit with us. Now, um, so we go to the Pentecost and the um, and the birth of the early church. This was when the um, Jewish pilgrims gathered around and a Holy Spirit comes in a great wind and they all a fire comes above their head and they begin to speak in tongues for the first time we see this. We see God's redemption plan again that he's connecting the people to the prophetic promises that God would come and dwell in a temple and bring his presence. But this time it's not a temple like a building, it's in them. Um, so we just see the Stephen, or the Stephen, we see the martyr of it. Is it Stephen? Stephen? Okay, I don't know if he's called Stephen or Stephen. Okay, but he was a bold teacher who loved Jesus. He was one of his um, followers, uh, continued to be one of his followers. He was arrested because people thought he was speaking against the temple. And we see, um, so he's giving a big talk about how people are rejecting who, um, who God sent, which was Jesus. We also see that this causes the Jerusalem leaders to get really angry and they end up stoning him to death. And we meet a man named Saul, which would later be called Paul, who was there. And Saul was a man who was, he killed Christians and he was a big persecutor. Um, but he ends up meeting Jesus. <laughs> so on his trip to Damascus, he is going to kill more Christians. And Jesus comes to him in a picture and says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And that's when we see that he ends up turning his life around and repenting and becoming a witness and a passionate advocate. So we go to a man named Peter. So right now we are here. Wow, we got here fast. <laughs> so we end up going or seeing that Peter gets this vision of a big sheep full of animals. And God is saying, eat this, eat the meat. And he keeps declining. He declines, I think, two or three times saying, I will not eat that meat. 
and God says, why won't you eat anything that I've made and it's clean? So this is showing that Gentiles and Jewish people, that we also just see that God is making the people like equal and that we can just love each other in our different, um, what's, the, what's the word? Cultures or just like how God made us. And just back to the beginning where he diverse the languages so we can just, he's showing that we're all equal and we're worthy to Jesus's family. So, oh, we go back to Paul that I talked about, the Christian killer, but now the Jesus follower. Love Paul. Uh, so Paul goes on three missionary journeys. So his first one starts with him, his buddy that who was a Jewish man named Barnabas. They end up starting this church in the Antioch. It's the first Christian church ever and known as like the ethnic church. And this is where we see that they start the first missionary movement. Why I'm coming. <laughs> uh, so... The first journey was in Asia Minor, found in Turkey, and it ends in an important meeting um, back in Jerusalem. We also go to the Jerusalem Council, which was Jewish Christians in the Antioch. They would claim about the laws with the circumcision, food, and they would say that that was part of Jesus' family, but Paul and then Paul and Barnabas did not agree, and um, so they would go to the council and talk to them. So we see the second missionary journey was in Asia Minor and in Greece. And then the third one was the same territory, but it ended in Jerusalem. And something Paul would always do, just what his missionary journeys were, is he would go and preach the good news and preach about Jesus. But he would also go to the Jewish synagogues to share about Jesus. Some people really liked Paul and liked what he had to say, but others didn't. So sometimes he'd get beaten up or um, he'd be put into jail a couple times as we start to see. So he would be mocked too, but he would still say, stay faithful to God. And so we see that, in, that he's imprisoned in, uh, is it Caesarea? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he came and talked about Jesus, and people accused him of going against Caesar, the Roman Empire, because he was talking about another king. Um, and he was taken to different trials, but they didn't find him guilty. And every time he would stand in front of a trial, I watched this on the Bible Project, he would always just be talking about Jesus. He'd always be like, Jesus, the king. He wouldn't just sit there and be like, I'm not guilty, we just talk about Jesus. <laughs> so we see that then he is going, he's let go and goes to Rome, where he's attacked by Jewish people who think he's betraying Israel. And then Roman soldiers also think that he's a terrorist starting a rebellion. So this puts him into jail, or in, in prison in Rome, where he's house arrest, but he gets the great opportunity to host a group and boldly teach about God in Acts 28. And then he ends up dying, sadly. Um, but he leaves us today with uh, a bunch of different letters, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Theologians. Those are letters to the church and like how to call them up and live a faithful life to God and how God loves us. Mm. So we go to John. Um, so a little bit of background history. There was the fall of Jerusalem happening, happening in this time where Roman legions surrounded the city and they started not to take over Jerusalem. They, they destroyed the city and many were enslaved and killed, and this lasted for three years. So we go to um, a Revelation, a vision during Patmos exile, which is where at the end, if you guys didn't know. <laughs> um, and this was when he was sent to this island to die, but we see that he got many visions, and he left us with Revelations, the book. Um, and one that I want to talk about is when he saw Jesus, the risen king, standing by burning lamps, and there were seven of those burning lamps, and that represented the seven churches of Asia Minor. John also had many other visions in Revelation of um, the second coming and Jesus coming again and calling us to be faithful and find hope in him. So we go to the end of the New Testament. This kind of just like what I was talking about with the seven churches. We see 
the seven churches in Rome, in the province of Asia, which is now in Turkey, Jesus is addressing the problems that they're going to be facing because they're going to be facing a lot of suffering and persecution. He talks in chapter 2, I think it is, about how the people... Um, we're going to have 10 days of suffering, and even today that can speak to us because we've had suffering and trials, but no matter what, we're going to have eternal life with Jesus in the end, and Amen. that is going to trump all suffering. So Amen. Um, so through the chapters, we see that he's just calling the people to faithfulness, that they can choose him in the end times, or choose him in the, the suffering that they're going to face and persecutions that they're going to face, or they can choose the world and choose the people. So through this, uh, we see a couple... God of God's redemption plan through some verses. So Revelation 22, 20, he who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. We also see in Revelation 21, 5, he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And then we see a new and living way to heaven in Hebrew 10, 20, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And then wow. Jesus is coming to make all things um, new through him in 2 Corinthians 5 17 therefore if anyone is in Christ the creation has come the old has gone the new is here this so this shows that Jesus is coming again and we don't know when but just as Christians to be ready and to get more people into our family so we and just love them how Jesus came to love us we also see um or we just see that God's plan is far greater than we could ever imagine and to just stay faithful through our sufferings and follow him. This, wait for it, wait for it. Is it gonna happen? <laughs> Maybe it's not gonna happen. I was gonna play music, <laughs> make it dramatic, but that, it's not happening, it's all loading. But that is the ending of my Bible presentation.